Jade's podcast number 930, your host, the one and only, the Scarborough Dude. Um, I'm going to talk about that name. I don't think I am necessarily representative of Scarborough as a whole. Scarborough's a mixed bag. Not one person could ever represent Scarborough. I am a voice in Scarborough. Um, proud to be a Scarborian. And um, glad I brought my kids, or we brought our kids up here. I think it's a great place. And uh, I just want to put that out there. I guess it's almost um, a warning for anybody who happened to stumble, you know, Googled Scarborough, somehow came up with this podcast by chance, and wondered, who the hell is that guy? Um, I'm a person who's lived here almost uh, 25 years, I guess, or more, and um, I just kind of like it. Okay, going to park that. Um, I guess if anybody went into my back catalog, they might find a lot of strange things. Times when I've been a little drunk, a little bit stoned. Uh, times when I've ranted and raved, in particular against religion. And sometimes I apologize, narrowing, well, no, I don't apologize. I'm just stating a fact here. Uh, I've, you know, singled out Islam, and I know for a lot of people that's just, hey, you don't do that. Uh, treat all religions the same. Well, my last podcast, I talked about the laws of karma, but I didn't attach it to any particular religion. It's just a, a way of looking at life. Um, if I could align with any particular religion, you know, I, could I say Buddhism? I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. No, I don't practice anything. I guess I have a Zen-like philosophy. I, I do like the idea of karma, that what you put out into the world does come back to you somehow. In other words, that's your incentive to be good. Uh, but I don't like the idea of any kind of God. I don't like fucking rule books, so there you go. I do swear also on this podcast. Uh, this is kind of an awkward introduction for uh, first-time listeners, so forgive me if you're a regular and you already know all this crap. Um, but yeah, anybody who, who believes that God spoke to man but won't reveal himself now in real life, anybody who has blind obedience to either a political system be it communism, capitalism, whatever. Uh, well, with the exception of socialism, I think socialism is the way to go. Democratic socialism, yeah. So, I mean, I do have some set views. I'm not loosey-goosey on everything. Uh, but I just wanted to make it clear. People could reach into the past. That's why I could never run for politics. People could just pull out lines that would just, boy, have me, uh, you know, whoa, upon trial for some of the things I've said that could be, I suppose, uh, by today's standards when everybody's watching everybody else, uh, could be considered almost hatred. But I, I don't think I, I... I do have anger and hatred towards block-headed, pig-headed fucking men. And often those same men might be tied to religious beliefs. Uh, I believe in inequality. I believe in, gosh, fairness for all. And certainly, oh my God, you know, the right for people to marry who they choose. Well, maybe there should be some age limits. I don't know. You can't marry a little child. Um, but, you know, Gay rights and all that. I guess I'm just a liberal. There it is. I'm just a liberal in, in my views. Uh, and maybe there's a little bit of the fascist in me. In my last podcast, I also talked about um, I felt everybody should serve Canada. Everybody has to have a turn serving Canada, whether you're new Canadian, an old Canadian, French Canadian, Jewish Canadian, uh, you know, whatever your religion, your background. 
your abilities. You know, you serve Canada. You you give a year um, in in one form or another, and you'd have you'd have to have this huge bureaucracy. And I that's why I thought, okay, the military is the way to go. You've got enough people who are trained to give orders, and you can train people to follow orders. But they wouldn't be. They'd be. We'd try and find places that would be good for people, but they would serve in different parts of Canada. You'd get to know Canada, like Katimovic did, you know? And you might even serve in, who knows, another part of the world for Canada. If they were, you know, doing, if you happen to know a lot about farming and they're doing farming in some other country that needs some help, maybe there too, I don't know. But you, you owe a year to this wonderful country of ours. And um, that that's that's a strong belief I have. I, it'll never happen in my lifetime. I, I can't see it ever happening at all. But before we get taken over by other superpowers, I would like to see Canada and Canadians stand up for themselves and uh, uh, celebrate, I guess, the freedoms we have here. Oh, my God, shut up. Jesus. All right, parking all of that. I don't know why I had to get into that. I think it stemmed from, uh, in fact, I know it stemmed from yesterday meeting a wonderful person by the name of, uh, it's J-O-G-I, and I didn't even ask if it was pronounced Jogi or Yogi, um, Makani. And this is a gentleman who has uh, spent all his life as an artist. He's probably about 10 years younger than me, and I'm getting heading towards 75 he's probably at least 10 years younger um a fine looking gentleman of indian heritage with this wonderful long white beard i have a picture posted and maybe for this podcast i'll post it again uh in this picture that i'm looking at now he's holding our rock and if you listen to the dixon james podcast you know that uh the dixon james tribe Maybe I'll talk about that later. Has a rock that has traveled the earth many times. Uh, and after meeting this gentleman and seeing his art, he is an artist, and I had a tour of his art. I'll get back to that. But I thought, oh, I've got to show him our rock because he'll appreciate the color and, and so on. And he did. And this is just a wonderful photo of him holding it in his two hands. And that's an, an artist's hands. They're big. He works with stone and wood. He uses his hands to create, and it is, it's a marvelous picture. Uh, he is a marvelous man, um, and something happened yesterday, so here we'll circle right back to uh, this thing. This was at the Clark Center for the Arts, which I had never heard of, didn't even know existed, and uh, it's in the... It's on Guildwood Parkway, and it's right near the Guild Inn in a new building that's just been opened recently, a three-story, beautiful art gallery set in the woods. It's fantastic. Um, And so if you're ever uh, visiting me, we have a new thing to see on the tour, and that is this art gallery. Well, yesterday I I was channel flicking, and by chance, I guess I went on Global, and they showed this gentleman whose picture I'm looking at, standing beside one of his works of art. And if I go back into my photos, I will find that very work of art uh, that he was standing beside. And I was, um, yeah, there it is. I was very impressed. I think it was called Inspiration. And it's two parts of a tree, and there's kind of a ceramic type ring in the middle, joining the two parts together. And this was from a a rotten log that was full of, you know, uh, insects and things that he let rot in his backyard and then eventually turned it into this absolutely beautiful object. And that's what's wonderful about this gentleman. Uh, he is an artist. Um, and so I saw this on, on Global and said, oh, here's an art. It's at the Clark here. And this is one of his pictures. And as soon as I saw this image of this picture, I thought, I've got to see that. I've got to see that. And in that, it's 
the new year, I've trying to make an effort to make do something productive every day, something that I feel good about. And so I thought, all right, today's the day. Just go and see it. Took me a while to find where it was. I was pulling on locked doors in the wrong building. But walked in, and there he was sitting with a friend of his on a, on a sofa and nobody else at the art exhibit. And so I went in, explained why I was there. I'd seen him on television and saw a piece of art, and I really wanted to uh, to look at it. Well, wouldn't you know it, he got up and accompanied me, or led me, to every single piece of art he had on display. Three floors. I didn't even know there was an elevator on the second floor and a third floor of all his work. And we talked about each individual print and sculpture, whether they were wood or metal or ceramic, whatever they were made of. Absolutely incredible, beautiful art. And and I... It was one of those times, I talked last time about getting high and sometimes you just connect. Well, yesterday I was not high, but I was connecting. And I connected with this gentleman. I connected with his work. It it was real. Like, I was guessing the names of the work before seeing the name, you know, on, on the little plaque, or tiny little plaque underneath labeling it. Um, just knowing something about it and seeing things. And then the, for a couple where I didn't see... He was showing me, you know, well, it's the, it's the complementary space. Sort of if there were some black images, we'll now take a look at the white images that are the background and let them become the foreground. Oh, that's a completely different picture now. He was working on beautiful type, um, the medium was like a kind of paper. I, I don't know what the word, right word, was for, word is for it. Some of it actually came from India, which was made from old cloth and recycled and turned into paper in some small village shop somewhere that he was using. Uh, and it represented a bit of the history of his work, the older stuff and the newer stuff. But it, it was just it, absolutely amazing. Absolutely wonderful art by a true artist, a man who's, who was born in Ottawa, whose father was a, a, a well-known surgeon. And uh, what a character to have spent, I'm sure, well over an hour with, uh, maybe an hour and a half, just talking. Took some pictures of him uh, and got his card and looked him up and so on. So anyway, I, I wanted to share that with you because... Um, anything I talk about on this podcast never quite fully brings to life what the experience was. It can't. These are these are words I'm relating something that happened yesterday. But by God, I, I felt so good. And it was just, it was living life fully. It was fully engaged. That's the thing. And that's what you want out of life. You want to be engaged in living, when you talk to people, when you interact, when you look at something, when you watch something, be it a, a movie or a series or whatever, you want to be engaged. And if you're not engaged, maybe that's not the thing for you or maybe that's not the right time. Same goes for reading a book, listening to music. Engage. That's that's an important word. Maybe I'll keep that for a title. Um, so there you go. What a what a wonderful day, and I promised I would, when my son visits the end of this month, I will bring him to the exhibit. It's there until the end of January. Uh, the Clark uh, Art Gallery on Guildwood Parkway, if you Google Toronto and look that up, you'll find it or look for this particular man um, who uh, just a wonderful, wonderful gentleman and artist, and uh, I'm just uh, I'm just grateful for having then spent that quality time with him. I'm, uh, I'm still glowing today. Um, maybe, I've gone 15 minutes, 14 minutes, maybe I'll just leave it there. Maybe that's enough. Whoop, 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 sorry. Uh, to uh, cover for today. I thought there might have been a couple of more things. I just listened to the salad years. Nice to have the boys back. That would be... Uh, uh, Squidpod Joel and uh, Eric in Calgary. Squidpod Joel here in Toronto. Uh, they were they were out of practice. They were stepping on each other throughout the entire 
podcast, like talking over each other, which they never did in previous episodes. But they haven't been podcasting for a couple of years. They've been playing some game online. So uh, coming back, they're they're a little rusty. I'll say that. I don't mind saying that. But, uh, of course, I'm subscribed and will listen to anything they put out. Um, Anything else to say about things? Looking forward to uh, PodCamp Toronto. We booked my uh, wife's tickets to uh, Vancouver and then on to Tokyo. Uh, that's all done. And my son is encouraging me to go out to Vancouver in March. There are still some fabulous deals to be had, so I better look that up too. Uh, March or April before the prices shoot up again. Um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Scarborough dude, uh, the one and only, um, not necessarily representative of (laughs) all of Scarborough or Scarborough's best for that matter, but, um, here I am. I've, I've I've had that name for uh, 16, 17 years. I'm keeping it. It's mine. And uh, whether you like me or like my podcast or not, it uh, doesn't really matter all that much. I'm here, and I'm here for the long haul. Scott dude signing out from uh, Thompson Park, where I have just gone for a very nice long walk. Bye for now. Ding-a-ling, ding. I left the bell in the car. I'm sitting on a bench. Hope the wind noise isn't too much. Um, I had to make this recording outside because the sun is shining. It is uh, January 7th at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I am in um, Thompson Park. And now that man I've mentioned several times recently on this podcast greeted me again. Quite an extended greeting about... Uh, not winter yet, and the rhyming off the months. I couldn't understand all of it, but it was a friendly exchange, like we're friends. You know, we greet each other now. I, I should have a name from sort of Walker Talker, maybe, or Talker Walker, um, because it's quite phenomenal. It's just <laughs> every single time I'm here. Now, mind you, lately I've been coming in the mid-afternoon, uh, but still, I think he spends a lot of time here, and I couldn't even begin to count the number of rounds he makes. I do one round trip along the park. I'm looking at it now from my bench, and, you know, it's a good, takes me 15 minutes maybe, maybe a little longer. I'm sure he does that in at, at half the time uh, at most to make one lap, maybe maybe quicker than that, maybe 10 minutes. Anyway, moving on, uh, Jordan Peterson. I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about him other than uh, his name just keeps popping up, and the usual haters are there. Now, I am not defending Jordan Peterson. I don't know enough about him or where he stands on things. I just know he's a target. And I always get a little suspicious when everybody is piling on, and it's the usual people piling on to the same targets um, for whatever he's done. This time it's, you know, take away his uh, psychology license. Uh, and according to Jordan Peterson, this complaint has been filed by people he's never treated. It's just for political reasons, nothing to do with his ability as a psychologist. Um, so if you don't know Jordan Peterson well, skip this part. Uh, but I, I'm just I'm just holding on. I mean, there's more out there. But I guess what really bothers me, it's so easy to pick on him, to pick on um, what's-her-name who wrote the Harry, um, the Harry Potter books because she made a comment that seemed to some to be transphobic and therefore she becomes hated, you know, and bam, jump on her. And, I, and I, it just bugs the fuck out of me. It, it just It's so easy to trounce on somebody when you don't necessarily have all the information, but they're a target. They're, they're supposed to be there on the hate list. And um, there are others. All, all the CEOs, the CEOs who had made more on Monday of this week than workers will make in a year. You know, that was the, that's the stat they always issue in January. By noon, this guy will have made more money than you will make all year. Um, you know, and but but we don't know their names and so on. But pick on those people. Pick on the the corporations that and all the executive vice presidents, the people who are working their way up to the top, to find out how they can screw people out of more money 
There are so many other targets. There are so many evil people. So many people, the, the Putins of the world and these other brutes and dictators. There's just so many other targets doing things so much more harmful than somebody crossing a politically correct or incorrect line and, and getting people inflamed over it. And, and maybe that's just the nature of Twitter and so on, but bugs the fuck out of me. So this is not a defense of Jordan Peterson, but I'm reserving judgment and will uh, judge for myself. Thank you very much. Don't tell me who to judge. I watched another show on uh, Rome on uh, YouTube. You know, get away from the TV, switch on to YouTube, and there's always history of Rome. And it's just quite... I'm fascinated by the Roman Empire. I mean, to have lasted so long, to have been so vast, uh, and yet not without for any large institute, large, uh, you know, kingdom, empire... <laughs> it can't be done without cruelty, and and so this was based on slave labor, which to them wasn't was just no. This is just labor. These are these are commodities. You know, you have when you have an empire, you're going to have slaves. It doesn't matter if they're children. And and one reference was to the rich people would have slaves, but some of the slaves might have the good jobs, not working in the silver mines necessarily, but maybe as a hairdresser or of. Uh, uh, you know, an accountant, a bookkeeper, something. You're going to have good jobs as slaves where you're still having a place to live and you're getting fed um, because you were needed. Uh, but you would never have freedom. You know, you work for that person forever and who knows what happens when you weren't able to do your job and uh, maybe you'd be fed to the lions or who knows. Anyway, um, a horrible thing, you know... Any empire is like that. And you look at the Nazi regime and so on, the people up at the top, uh, you know, just being so enriched by their position, by their power. And, and the same thing, what I was just referring to here, the corporate executives, the people with several houses, the people... I watched... Oh, my God. Okay, we'll, we'll just park this. One thing I didn't realize, how important Spain was for the olive oil trade. And, of course, Rome ran on olive oil. It was used for uh, for cooking, for everything else. And, and uh, um, it made Spain very rich and a lot of uh, the traders of course extremely rich so anyway interesting just you know something different um 16 personalities i filled out a form online 16 personalities you can google that and, and test yourself what kind of person are you and i came out as a mediator and today when i was checked in again i was really it was classified as a turbulent mediator um and that means I'm prone to self-criticism and I think that's true if you listen to this podcast so I'm a turbulent mediator Um, they're comparing them to aggressive mediators turbulent types by contrast who might generally be seen as thinner skinned I believe that's me are more reluctant to put themselves out there I certainly am I've talked about holding back quite often Uh, perhaps fearing that others will judge or unsettle them hmm Mediators, in general, have a talent for self-expression. They may reveal their innermost thoughts, that's what I'm trying to do here on the Dixon James podcast, and seek out through metaphors and fictional characters. Well, maybe the Scarborough Dube is a fictional character, I don't know. But uh, now we're all one and the same. Um, Mediators aren't as interested as other types in pursuing success. Are we recording? Yes, thank you. Um... Success, at least not success as defined by the dominant culture. Uh, Mediators are most likely to play down their achievements and say they are not successful. Mediators are more interested in pursuing a life of value than one of success, especially material success. Uh, Don't see financial success as an indicator of life success. That's true of me, although I wish I had more money. I believe that others people play a significant role in their success. Yes, I have many to be grateful for. I should acknowledge that more often. Feel that success is more a state of mind than a goal to be achieved. Are likely to get a lot of pressure from their family to be successful. I got no pressure from my family whatsoever to be successful. Scratch that one. Say that success requires authenticity. Yes, for me, authenticity is a very, very important factor. Um, 
are one of the most likely types to say that belief in yourself is a very important factor when it comes to success. Uh, and I believe that's true too. Okay. Um, so where, what we, we skipped that. We did, damn, I was on to something after. Damn, I got sidetracked. Well, let's move on to last night then. Um, I went, uh, I, had a, I had a plan yesterday. I'm trying to have a plan each day to do something. I mentioned that maybe uh, in the preceding clip. To make good use of the time I've got. And so yesterday the plan was go to Duffy's Tavern. Uh, Duffy's Tavern. That would be on uh, Dundas West. Um, a tavern that was established in 1949 and is still running and still doing all right. And it had some character. So I made it there. Now the highlight, the whole purpose, was to get there by streetcar and walking. So on to the... Um, Park my car, get on the express bus, get to uh, Kennedy, hop on the subway, get off at Broadview, get on the 505 Dundas. So if you hear nothing else and you're in Toronto and you don't know what to do, get on the 505 Dundas. You can pick it up at Broadview or at Dundas West and head the opposite direction. Um, what a ride. And it shows Toronto in ways you just don't normally see it, including an awful lot of rough sections and poverty. Like, hey, this could this be a big American city? You know, Dundas is not a pleasant street. It's a mean thoroughfare. It's a lots of underpasses and uh, so on. So I got off at I, I enjoyed the ride immensely. Sorry, the wind is just really kicking up now. Hang on. Still there? Um, I took a gummy as soon as I got on the subway, and it kicked in my halfway through the streetcar ride. And um, I wanted to engage. I, I got a perfect, the perfect seat. You know, I could sit, view the front uh, where the driver was. I could see out the window, side window. It was just perfect. And um, a man got on, and I couldn't quite figure out whether he was handicapped somehow or challenged. I just didn't really get a handle on him, but I wanted to engage as I do when I get high. So I I had a little um, uh, sandwich bag, you know, with the, the, the sealer on the top and so on, with two different kinds of cough drops in. So I took one out and then I offered him one. Would you like a cough drop? And he sort of said no thanks and I muttered something like oh your throat's not sore or your, your throat's okay or something stupid and um, then realized after and, and then I thought well now I have to follow this conversation up somehow um, because I realized wait a minute now some stranger on a streetcar opens a little plastic bag and offers a, offers a person across them a cough drop uh, this is this is not something you do. It's certainly something. So then I then I clued in and I turned to him and I said, "Well, that's okay. I wouldn't take one from a stranger. I wouldn't take one from a stranger either." But it ended with him giving me a nice greeting when he got off. It was like we had been friends. We had actually shared that moment. So when he got off the street guard, he was sure to say goodbye, have a, have a good day, and that counted. That counted. And in other words. When you're encountering strangers, see if you can break that ice a little bit, that, that, that fear or whatever it is. Just, just uh, you know, make, make an effort. Warm it up a little bit. Now, there was a woman who got on and sat beside me, and I thought, okay, she looked like a Toronto woman. Serious, probably in her 30s, you know, well-dressed. I can't bother this person. She doesn't want to be bothered, but somehow... I found the excuse. I don't know what it was. I don't know what my opening was. I wish I could remember because I was, it was appropriate. And next thing you know, we're into a conversation, and it was a wonderful talk. And it turned out she was. This is only her second day in Toronto. She was a tourist from Melbourne, Australia. She was a a, a school a math teacher from Melbourne, and we had a wonderful conversation. Of course, again, I'm I'm high, so everything is just exciting. And wow, we got the best seats and. Uh, and our conversation went all over the place. And she was delighted you know, to have somebody friendly talking to her. And it wasn't me being a pest. It was a real exchange. You know, she she took a note. I she, believe she wrote down 
uh, Dixon Jeans because I mentioned the podcast. And I, if if you're listening, I don't know your name. You're that lovely young lady from uh, from Melbourne who's a very happy being a teacher. Good for you. We talked a lot about Australia. Um, hello, shout out to you. Send me a message. But again, as as uh, as my regular Dixon Jeans listeners know, whenever I pass along my podcast to a stranger, I never, ever, ever, ever hear back. So I don't expect to, um, because yeah, this is not everybody's cup of tea, and who is this guy anyway? He's a bit weird, this Scarborough dude guy. But anyway, it was a it was a beautiful encounter, and, and it made, made the trip probably the highlight of the day, really, just that exchange. Finally got off at uh, Dundas West. I knew Lansdowne was closer to Duffy's. But I figured I'd walk, and it was a long, unpleasant walk along a long, unpleasant, dirty road. Uh, so I will not be making that walk again. But um, got to Duffy's, ordered my beer, ordered my wings and fries, which is very good. Uh, first waitress, I don't think um, she took much of a liking to me. I, I, our conversations kind of ended with, you know sort of a, a look on her face that, you know... Now, now, mind you, I told her one of my worst stories. I told her why I got thrown out of a bar in Japan. That was not a good story to tell somebody who you've just walked into a bar. It was definitely... It was absolutely the wrong story. And I think perhaps I did that deliberately just to see what the limits were, and I found out quite quickly. She was not very friendly. But then another woman came on, a young girl from London, England, and much friendlier, and we had a much nicer time together. Thank you very much. So uh, that was it. So anyway, I made up my mind. I had already spent, you know, my um, almost $50 on three beer and, um, you know, my lunch, chicken and fries. Um, and for me, that's, well, that was a real exception. That's a special occasion. I just can't do that. I go to the only and I drink beer and my bill is never more than 40 bucks. Um, but... Um, this was splurging. But I decided I was going to go to the Only anyway. I went to the Only, sat in there, ordered half a 10W30 because I didn't really even want any more beer. Sat at the worst possible table beside the bar against the wall on the bar side. And did not have a very good time. The only great thing is I took an absolutely wonderful picture of my favorite Buddha that sits on the bar. And uh, that was it. But I realized the Only Cafe is just not all that much fun unless you're sharing it with other people. So there you go. Conclusion, there's my story. Uh, speaking of which, I don't know when this will be out or when you will be hearing this, but next Saturday, I'm going to be meeting, I'm going to be meeting Squidpod Joel and Mustard Mike and a Mustard Mike's partner in his business, the Sonar Network, as well as the lovely Lisa and uh, John. So we're going to have quite a gathering next Saturday afternoon at the Only Cafe. If you hear this in advance and you're in Toronto and you want to just drop in, go ahead. There might be room for one more. Who knows? Scarborough Dude signing out from uh, Bluffers Park. Uh, sorry, Thompson Park. I'm only here because it's a sunny day and I absolutely have to take a walk around the park to get in some exercise. My, I'm noticing... Week by week, sometimes almost it feels like day by day, a deterioration in my walking abilities. Uh, you know, getting up and down the stairs seems a little more challenging. Um, I have to use my hands a lot to get upstairs. Um, and, yeah, a little more shaky. And, and that's, you know, I saw a lady get off the uh, streetcar with a stroller, and I looked at it, oh, that almost looked comforting. I mean, it, it, I shudder to think of it, but I think, yeah. Boy, the stroller, you can, those kind where you can sit down on them and they got a handbrake and you can, oh yeah, the day is coming when I will be using those. And it's going to limit, you know, getting in and out of places. It's going to be a hindrance. I My life will, will change uh, when I get to that point. So right now I'll start, keep using the cane as long, as long as possible. But for now I've got to go back to the car, get my walking poles and take a couple of loops around the park and see if I can meet my friend, the uh, walker talker or the talker walker. Scarborough Dude, signing out from Thompson Park on this uh, beautiful Saturday afternoon in, this, in January 2023. Bye for now.
am the very model of a modern major general. I have information, vegetable, animal, and mineral. I know the kings of England like to quote the fight historical from Marathon to Waterloo in order categorical. I'm very well acquainted too with matters mathematical. I understand equations both the simple and quadratical. About binomial theorem, I am teeming with a lot of news. Yeah, oh, lot of news, lot of news. Ah, huh. with many cheerful facts about the square of the hypotenuse. I'm very good at integral and differential calculus. I know the scientific names of beings animalculus. In short, in matters vegetable, animal, and mineral, I am the very model of a modern major general. I know our mythic history, King Arthur's answer caradox. I answer hard acrostic cyber pity taste of paradox. I quote an elegiacs all the crimes of Heliogabalus. In Koenigs, I can flaw peculiarities parabolus. I can tell undoubted Raphael's from Gerard Dawson's Ophanes. I know the croaking chorus from the frogs of Aristophanes. Then I can hum a fugue of which I've heard the music's dinner for. Yeah, oh, dinner for, dinner for. Ah, and whistle all the airs in that infernal nonsense pinafore. Whistle all the airs in that infernal nonsense pinafore. Whistle all the airs in that infernal nonsense pinafore. Whistle all the airs in that infernal nonsense pinafore. Then I can write a washing bill in Babylonic cuneiform and give you every detail of Caractacus's uniform. In short, and matters vegetable, animal, and mineral, I am the very model of a modern major general. In fact, when I know what is meant by mammalon and ravelin, when I can tell at sight a mouse a rifle from a javelin, when such affairs are sorties and surprises, I'm more wary at, and when I know precisely what is meant by commissariat. When I have learnt what progress has been made in modern gunnery. When I know more of tactics than a novice in a nunnery. In short, when I have a smattering of elemental strategy. <sighs> oh, strategy, strategy, fatigy, matigy, batigy, sa- Ah, I have it. You'll say a better major general has never sat a Say a better major general has never sat a Say a better Of military knowledge, though I'm plucky and adventurous, has only been brought down to the beginning of the century. But still, in matters vegetable, animal, and mineral, I am the very model of a modern major general. And good day. It's actually still morning. It is uh, Tuesday morning. That would be January the 10th. And uh, I'm sitting in Sal. Sal, for uh, new listeners, if there are any, uh, is my road trek. It's parked in my driveway. It's plugged in. And this is my little escape, my uh, man cave. It's just a wonderful place to come out to and uh, podcast when I don't want to. Eh, I never record in my house. It's just not fun. This This feels like I'm out somewhere. Uh, wonderful, all the window views, all the things I can see. But anyway, and you might hear the engine running in the background. I like to warm it up every once in a while. I would love to be going camping in this thing, especially now there's no snow around here, but I know wherever I go camping, it's going to be a lot colder, and uh, it will be with snow. So uh, I've been putting that off. But uh, anyway, moving on. Um, I've got a lot on the uh, on my list of notes today. Uh, some I'll get out of the way right away, like Prince Harry, his book, uh, Spare. Um, no comment. I just, I, I kind of sorry he went ahead and wrote it. Uh, you know, the news is just eating it all up and covering stuff. I did find one report today on CBC a little more interesting than the gossip, you know, who he first screwed out behind a bar and uh, his use of cocaine and drugs. This was about his childhood and what it was like and it was the the person reviewing uh, who was of course a supporter of the royals said it was it was quite touching quite personal and i am interested in harry you know what it's like to have your mother killed in such a horrible way um that's real it's real human but i would have i wouldn't be around but when he's older uh, that should have been the time for him to write his memoir uh, and not now but anyway so we're we're done with that um, gosh, quite a change here. My friend Bob uh, Dawes, a high school friend from grade 9 on, um, finally passed away. I had mentioned him a, a few episodes back that I found out he was in a hospice and uh, didn't have long to go, and uh, he passed away quietly. I, I'm kind of sorry there will be no service for him because I would have attended, and I think some other friends might have 
Um, but um, that was his wish, and so there will not be a, a service for him. Um, and so I, I, I'm not going to talk too much about it here. I will write on something on the uh, online sort of memorial I've been composing, making notes of what I'd want to say. But a lot of it is just my respect for Bob. I mean, I looked up to him. He was born, he's, he was older than me. And we eventually caught up in, in high school and ended up in the same class. And uh, spent his life working for Bell and subsidiaries and independent consultant and devoted to genealogy, which is also his wife's, uh, Barbara's, um, great interest. Um, it was just an all-around good man, in a way, of more of my brother's generation. I think where Bob and I parted ways was when I discovered hashish, and Bob was already working full-time with the company by then and, and uh, did not share the same interests. I don't think we ever smoked up. We did drink beer together. Bob was one of my earliest friends for going out to El Paso and Lachine and drinking and so on. Um, but one of the thoughts I had yesterday, I was exchanging uh, uh, text with his daughter, um, and she said she had found some old emails on a, somewhere on a server that she hadn't read from her father, and because the father didn't really want to see his children in where he was, so it was only his wife, Barbara, who was with him at the end. Um, but she found these and was kind of moved to, to read them and, and, you know, thinking what a great dad he was. And it made me think, and I, I apologize for turning this over to me, but it made me think, what am I leaving to my children? Well, is this, you know, there may be a thousand episodes of the Dixon Janes podcast that will be left behind. And I don't think it pro- projects a very... I don't, I don't think this projects such a, a nice image of me, but maybe it's a real image and maybe it's just simply I'm not that nice a person. And I, I just have the feeling my children, my, my two sons, uh, would not want to really be listening to this thing. It's, it's you know, uh, the, I don't think they would have had much respect for me from what I've said here. I don't know why I'm saying that other than I'm full of self-doubt. But I think, you know, I, I mean, I know if they, if it was just sort of a random, you know, hit a button and pick any episode, maybe there'd be a couple. I know that was interesting. Maybe my time in China, you know, in Japan, um, things over the past 16 years. But an awful lot of it would sound like anger, stupidity, ignorance, and and that's kind of embarrassing. So, an apology to my sons if you stumble upon any of these and uh, just hit a sour note. That God, that was my dad. What an asshole. Um, you know, I I think I come across a lot better if you read the Dixon Jane Zine. And I hope I will make sure to leave copies of those behind. I think I, when in writing, I'm a lot more serious and I choose my words carefully. Doing an audio journal, uh, it does not bring out the best of you. And mind you, I mean, neither of my sons are perfect either, so maybe they will be less judgmental than, I, than I'm thinking they might be. And I have no idea. I don't, I know in the two books of letters I'm leaving behind, um, that does not paint a flattering picture of me either. Uh, I, I, I think I intentionally included letters that that did not shine, put me in a bright light. I think that was the intention behind putting out those letters to show myself as a real person, complete with flaws, and particularly where alcohol was concerned. Uh, which I'd like to say I, <laughs> I just got off the phone with Shoppers Drug Mart, a courtesy call to review my medications. And at first I balked and said, I just do that with my doctor. I don't really need this. And then she was very pleasant and it turned into quite a nice call. And she said, well, anybody with uh, taking medication for diabetes, we do have to follow up on and mention that I really should have a podiatrist that I should visit once a year and should get my eyes tested. So I actually, surprisingly, uh, you know, for all the bad things I say about Shoppers Drug Mart, the store, for, um, you know, the self-checkouts and eliminating cashier positions, 
Um, I do find them very, very helpful about getting my medications on time and uh, when I need them and and, uh, be helpful that way. So I, I will stick with shoppers as far as medications go. Try not to shop there for groceries. All right. I'm going to jump into something all right, we got a couple more things to get out of the way. Toronto tax is going to go up at least 5% this year. The mayor promised an election. No, no more than 4%. Uh, and a part of it is because the police budget is jumping again. And more cops on the beat, I think, is what they're paying for. It's a huge budget as it is. Um, I certainly have mixed feelings about that. I, I'm not a defund the police, but I, I do think... The root of the problem with kids going around stabbing and shooting in gangs is you've got to get these kids at an earlier age and give them opportunities and, and get them into after-school clubs and all the other things that need funding and having social workers available for families in trouble. And that's where the funding should be beefed up, not necessarily cops on the beat. Uh, but that's a hard argument to make because the hardliners say, no, no, more cops. And, uh, and then the other extra hardliners keep them in jail younger and, and because a lot of the arrests are for juveniles and so you don't really find out what happens in those cases. I think the biggest issue that was talked about, it was one of the, thing, one of the reasons for more policing, is a lot of the, the trouble that funds the gangs is through human trafficking. And by that we mean sex trafficking, young girls, boys too, maybe forced into prostitution. And this is horrific and this has to be stopped. And if it takes more police work to, to stop that, to catch these bastards, these fuckers, these, these, these awful people who will abuse and sell uh, other humans, this, this is wicked. Uh, this has to be stopped. There's no maybes or, well, you know, there's another side to that. No, there isn't. This, this is awful. And um, I, I want to I see an end to that. Gosh. <sighs> Can we take a breath now? Um, I'm going to, yeah, we're going to, hang on. I'm going to ring the bell because I really need to change topics. So where's the bell? Here it is. Okay. All that stuff. I just, I just, you just get such a dirty feeling talking about the wickedness of the world uh, and the ignorance of nasty people. So we're going to move on to something. <clears throat> Another podcast I listen to, uh, Never Fail, the Marshall McLuhan Podcaster Roundtables. Uh, well, that no, that's the event. Uh, this is the Marshall McLuhan Variety Hour. Okay, so the podcast around it is when we actually get together in uh, Hamilton, uh, the Marshall McLuhan Variety Hour with the uh, lovely uh, uh, Bob Goyach dancers and Dave uh, Broadback bringing on the orchestra, the Dave Broadback Orchestra, and uh, Anthony uh, doing a wonderful job of hosting. And the, even the intro to that podcast is good. So I never miss it. It is possible to sometimes to get exasperated with. Uh, both uh, Anthony and even more so Dave, you know, shouting out of forgiveness here, please forgive me. Um, but you know that, and they know that, uh, because they put themselves out there and they keep it entertaining. Um, sometimes, it, you know, both can be just a bit too clever, but we're not going to harp on that. We're not, because I've already... Uh, harped on, <laughs> uh, what is that, best song ever, just one more episode, oh, In Your Ear Holes, that one, yeah, I've already uh, said rude things about them, so I don't need to start fights with uh, Marshall McClure with or, or Dave and Anthony, my God, I'd know better than take on either of them, um, but it's just the, the clever callbacks and the acknowledgement of, of those things, but I, I mean, I try and do the same here, so come on, never mind, never mind, let's just erase that. The five D's. This is a show. They do a Mount Rushmore, which is a very interesting thing. You know, who are the four figures in pop culture or whatever that should be up on on Mount Rushmore? I've gosh, I can't even remember what the topic was for this week. Oh, franchises, movie franchise. That's right. Uh, but I'm going to talk about the five D's. The five D's, which is a feature of every show, uh, is debauchery, drive, drink. 
discussion and disaster. They may have them in a different order, but those, it took me a while to remember those. Um, the five Ds. And so then Anthony would come up with five names of people. And usually they similar first name, like Paul or whoever. This time it was Tony. And uh, generally speaking, I only know half of the people. Now, with five figures, it's hard to know half, but I only know half of the people they're talking about um, because it always involves sports figures. And here's the thing. Here's the hats off and a salute to those guys. Oh, my God. Number one, both Anthony and Dave, and they will tell you, Dave in particular, they are above average intelligence. They are well above average intelligence. And they have phenomenal memory. So how they can remember particular football games, i it's just beyond me. And the names of hockey players and the teams they retreated to, oh, my God. I, I have never had a memory like that. Now, number one, I've never followed sports. Now, I can tell you some names just from repetition that I remember, you know, names from the Montreal Canadiens from the 1950s and 60s. But the facts and the details these guys can come up with along a range of sports, it is unbelievable. And so I get lost when they start playing the five Ds, you know. Well, I don't know that guy. How the hell would I know? Yeah, sure, I know uh, uh, Tony Hawk, and I know uh, Tony, what's his name, the uh, singer, uh, not Tony Curtis. Um, he just talked about, you know, Tony, the guy who's still not dead yet. He just did a, a wonderful show with Lady Gaga. Tony Bennett, thank you. Um, anyway, I decided, well, what about, what would I do to, to cover up for some of my embarrassment about being so ignorant on so many things that come up on other people's shows, whether it's music, entertainment, or sports, whatever? Well, what do I know? Well, I know the beats. And if I was to do a 5Ds about the beats, they would know the names, but they really wouldn't know that much about the people. Okay, so it took me a while to come up with. Well, so I'm asking you, I'm going to I'm going to put this question out to the Dixon Change listeners. Come up with the names of five people associated with the beats. Now, they are not having the first name. They are just you can call them beat so and so beat so and so, you know, if you need the similarity. But if it was of beats, what five names would you come up with? And guess what? As you struggle, because I know you would all come up with Jack Kerouac. Most of you would come up with Allen Ginsberg. I, the same group would come up with William Burroughs. Ah, but who else? Well, of course, some of you would come up with Neil Cassidy, of course, who spanned two generations, right? The Beats and the uh, the Deadheads and uh, the uh, Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test group, Ken Kesey, as the driver of Further, because he was the driver for Kerouac. Okay, so good, you got four. Who is the fifth? Well, we haven't mentioned any women. And who would the women be? Well, there was Joan, whose name, Volmer, I think, who was the wife of... Um, um, the unfortunate wife of William Burroughs because he shot her through the head playing a version, uh, supposedly trying to shoot an apple off her. Now some people think maybe he just wanted rid of her. She was a, a an amphetamine addict and was a bit brighter. A lot of people would say she was brighter than the whole bunch of them. And she had the apartment in New York where many of them met and gathered. Uh, Burroughs, of course, was homosexual but did have sex with her and produced children who also had unfortunate lives, as did Kerouac's offspring. <sighs> yeah. So so it could have been Joan Volmer. could have been Carolyn Cassidy. If I'm looking for a fifth person, but Carol, Carolyn was a straight. She was an artist. She was a mother to her, uh, her three children. Uh, she just put up with Neil and, and his running off with other women and, and uh, his abuse, and, you know, and and Kerouac. Uh, you know, some claim she was, uh, well, she loved Jack, of course, as well. But Carolyn Kester, she wasn't beat in that sense. She was the straight one who kept a household together uh, while Neil served time in jail for uh, giving joints to undercover officers. 
Well, about Edie Parker, she was the person who uh, Kerouac married and who um, gave birth to uh, poor, unfortunate Jan Kerouac, who uh, Kerouac never acknowledged. Um, So you could have included one of those, but I decided if I was going to do five people for my game on the Dixon James podcast of... uh, the five D's, I would include, guess who? The person I call the godfather of the beats, the one they, they didn't meet, although Burroughs knew him. Uh, they all knew him, and Ginsburg, I'm sure, would have met him, but Jack Kerouac never met because Kerouac got drunk in San Francisco instead and missed his scheduled meeting to have dinner with Henry Miller. So I'm gonna put I'm gonna include Henry Miller as the Godfather Beats as my fifth figure. Alright? So we got Kerouac, Ginsburg, Burroughs, Cassidy, and Henry Miller. So I'm I'm playing by myself, by the way. I mean, because <laughs> I don't think anybody else is at all interested or playing along. But I'm going to tell you, I'm playing a solo game of the five Ds on here on the Dixon James podcast. So I am going to go. When it comes to, I don't know what they started with. Anthony Newsy starts with drinking. Who are you going to go drinking with? No, I think he just starts with discussion. But I'm going to start with drinking because it's an obvious. It's got to be Kerouac, and it's so sad. Because Kerouac died of alcohol, like he drank himself to death, literally. I mean, he really did, just completely destroyed his his innards uh, and died, you know, a horrible death from uh, from drinking. But he could drink, and if you went in the early days of drinking at the San Remo and some of the bars in Greenwich Village, that would have been fun when they are all high on this whole movement and uh, a couple of those bars, I guess most of them have gone now, um, where they hung out. So I'd be drinking with, with Kerouac in Greenwich Village, because I think in this game you're allowed to move back and forth in time. I wouldn't be with him in, in where, when he died in uh, Florida, in his shabby little bungalow, which is now in private hands and has, has got a plaque outside. Uh, where he spent his last couple of years, I would be back in uh, in Greenwich Village drinking with Kerouac and uh, all the entourage and all the other John Cullen Holmes, uh, who was a, a, a mean f- a figure in this movement, who was actually a writer and uh, and a respected figure, and a lot of other the hangers on and the and the weird characters and the women as well. So drinking Kerouac. Um, Driving. Well, this is also obvious. Everybody would take it. Well, who was the driver for Kerouac? Who drove him across the country to from New York to uh, San Francisco to, to, uh, to um, uh, you know, Colorado and, and all around? And, and who drove the bus with Ken Casey and the Merry Pranksters? Uh, described in the electric Kool-Aid acid test. Of course, that would be... Neil Cassidy, the driver. Just no question there. All right, done that. Who would you have for disaster? Well, I've just told you. I've given you the clue there. These are all so obvious. Of course, William Burroughs, if he can shoot his own wife, he can take care of a few zombies or or any kind of an apocalypse. He was heavily armed. He loved guns. Uh, He loved to shoot. And so you could not find a better man, a tougher man, than Burroughs for uh, helping you get through, survive a, a disaster. Um, which leaves, we can go right off, maybe this is what Anthony starts off with, discussion. Well, we've already narrowed it down. You sure are not going to have a discussion with Cassidy because he was just nonstop talking. Uh, Burroughs was, was the quiet one. He was a good writer. Um, it has to be Henry Miller, because Henry Miller lived in Paris in the 30s. Henry Miller was looked after, was fed by Anais Nin. Henry Miller was connected with the, all the editors, Perlaise, all the people who put out books back there in the 40s and 50s. Henry Miller, my God, who lived in Big Sur, which Kerouac you know, wrote about in his, my favorite book, Big Sur, 
absolutely, Henry Miller for, oh, I think we're going over time here, but sorry, this is important. Absolutely, Henry Miller for discussion. Uh, there's so much to cover there, but in particularly his time in Paris. Uh, and his time with June, my God, if you read the Rosie Crucifixion, the best of Henry Miller, never mind sex, never mind uh, Tropic of Cancer, Tropic of Capricorn, read the Rosie Crucifixion, Sexus, Plexus, Nexus. That is true Henry Miller, and my God, those stories are fabulous. So that leaves us only one debauchery and only one person left, and of course it has to be Ginsburg, which is another great choice for debauchery, because my God, first of all, he was openly gay um, and flaunted it, but had so many other people involved in his circle, again, in in New York, in the Lower East Side, uh, on the stage for the, the, the human being in San Francisco. So you've got New York, you've got San Francisco with Ginsburg, You've got everybody. You've got Timothy Leary in there. You've got all those women around them. You've got such a wide range of people. Um, so, and, and you know, I mean, a lot of his stuff, my God, that's why Howell was banned. Uh, and City Lights had the courage to, uh, to put it out there and face the, challenge the courts over uh, whether or not it was pornography or poetry. Um, absolutely, without a doubt. So there, I'm very happy now. I feel really good. I don't feel embarrassed because I don't know these fucking sports heroes. I didn't care. I didn't give a shit. I still don't. But I do care about these people, the people I've just mentioned here on the, on the beat. So I'm, I'm giving myself a little thank you, pat on the back for that. So that ends this episode of the Dixon Chains podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you, uh, some of you played along at home. I doubt that any of you did, but uh, I sure had fun doing that. So I thank, a thank you to Anthony and Dave for inspiring me and by consistently putting out a very interesting show uh, that one and also uh, best episode ever. My God, those guys are up in the upper ranks. Those guys are master podcasters. I've mentioned a few people before, but they are at the master's level. Never mind all these fucking assholes who ask you to pay money to teach you how to podcast. These are true masters. Thank you very much. Come back next week. I'll be I'll be back at you. Scarborough Dude signing off uh, from the road track. All warmed up now. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>